BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It takes hard work to become the greatest of all time. For you to become one of the goats of the hard court, you'll need a drink backed by real science to recover after every tough game. That's why most goats drink milk. Low-fat chocolate milk. It tastes great and it has the right mix of protein and carbs scientifically proven to refuel exhausted muscles. Get real results and a great recovery with chocolate milk. Learn more at builtwithchocolatemilk.com. All right, this is a ton of fun. Our first look at the awards here. Let us get a little better calibration on the season. Just a, a few words kind of about my personal philosophy here. And I know Danny's might be a little bit different. But overall for me, especially this early in the year, I'm not doing it entirely based on your performance this season you know if there are guys who just are at a totally new level of performance this year and they're in a similar boat to someone who's been doing it for a long time i'm gonna give the edge to someone who's been doing it for a long time but with the caveat that for some of these guys if they keep it up all year they absolutely will be in the conversation and maybe a little bit higher but you try not to give too much weight to fluke months here though you know this is a regular season award right now i just try to say a little bit more of who i just think overall is a better player with the better track record of performance is there anything you wanted to add kind of about your general philosophy here danny before we get started with mvp so i see it a little bit different in that for me past performance is a tiebreaker but they're very rarely ties to break if they're you know if they're it has to be two guys that are basically identical identical profiles and then the big the other big difference between us which is not as relevant for mvp is that for things like all nba for me quality is more important than quantity as long as the quantity is sufficient so I, I've had this with Chris Paul. I've had him higher in other years. And so you'll see that on my list. And that's why. Yeah, I think that'll be most prominent with, say, Steph Curry this year. Uh, although, you know, he does seem to have these injury issues every year. At some point, you have to factor that in. But let's start here with MVP. Like I was saying with Steph, I think he's been the best this year on a per play basis. But he's only played 12 games. He's not coming back until Saturday. And he was actually trending in the wrong direction before that. You could argue that his shooting was unsustainable. I mean, he was playing at a level even better, maybe maybe than he had been in that 2016 regular season for a time there uh so he's really out of the discussion to me here are the names that i just generally consider at this point in time Giannis leading the league in per uh he's probably got the second most defensive value behind ad of the the guys who are in these conversation uh he's 10th in rpm but he's fourth among those who are legitimate contenders in my mind uh, for mvp uh you know lebron we know what his resume is he's come on since the early going when they were like oh we're just gonna have him uh get these playmakers to get on the ball in the post well turns out they don't have that many playmakers and he's way better at that than everyone else so he's right back to just kind of where his normal numbers are 
Joel Embiid has been, you know, averaging 28 points a game and he has been fantastic for the Sixers team. AD, uh, uh, the fact that he's missed a few games uh, has been rough, although that certainly has thrust his value to the team into stark relief. Kemba Walker is probably the only guy who's really crashing this conversation for the first time right now. Uh, he's been awesome for the Hornets uh, and maybe if the Hornets had played to their point differentially, he'd be getting a little bit more buzz uh, just in terms of his overall performance this year. Kawhi Leonard, I thought about him too, but doesn't really have a statistical argument to be right up there with the top guys. A little bit less efficient this year than he had been, uh, has missed a bunch of games uh, already. The on-off stuff is not as good for him as it's been in past years, uh, in part because they played so well without him. Uh, you know, I think he's been very, very good, and I think he'll be in this conversation at the end, but he was a little bit below some of the top guys to me. And then I think James Harden is really getting short shrift just due to Houston struggling so much. Uh, a lot of these issues uh, are not his fault. I mean, he's 62% true shooting and 37% usage, which is, you know, that's 5% more than all the rest of these guys are basically. We're, he's almost at like, you know, Russell Westbrook uh, 2017 levels here. And then Dean Bullard is in the conversation as well for me, uh, although with Portland taking a little bit of a step back lately, you know, he's probably not seriously in it, but someone that I at least looked at to consider. Uh, is there anyone else that you would add of just being in the MVP conversation? I thought for a second about Durant. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. And he's actually... I just want to mention Durant is definitely in there for me. I'm sorry. That's uh, I, I. Yeah, he I, like if, I if we're talking, him. if we're including Lillard, if we're including Lillard and Harden, I think that his overall resume is around in line with those guys. I don't have him in my top tier, but I, I did consider him. No, I, I actually so, do yeah, have him. I, I, I had him written down. I just my eyes just skipped over him for some reason. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I do not have him in my top tier, but I yeah I had challenges with with that. So for me, there were four guys that I I had at kind of the top, and they you know they're in kind of two tiers for me. But so the the lower end of it is Joel Embiid and Kemba Walker. I think Kemba's offensive argument is actually better than LeBron's right now. And it's not like LeBron has been great on defense, though the Lakers defense is doing much better now than it was at the start of the year. And Joel Embiid has a really underappreciated case just because the Sixers, I'm going to say this too with defense play of the year, which I'm not giving him, but he's in the consideration where the Sixers have been so bad when he's been off the floor and they've underachieved relative to expectations, but that isn't really his fault. So those two guys I have at, at I guess you could say three and four, though I didn't really rank them. It's just that they're that's where they were. And then for me, the top two was Giannis and AD. Yeah, and, and I think to me right now it's pretty clearly Giannis. You know, the, the team success, the Bucks' best net rating in the league. You know, the on-off stuff doesn't love him as much, but that's in part because they have other good players. They've been playing well without him on the floor too. Whereas some of these guys that you know, the Rockets, the Pels, the Lakers, like, they just don't, they can't do anything when those guys are off the floor. Uh, so I'm not going to penalize Giannis for that. He's still pretty high up there. You know, as I mentioned, I think second most defensive value behind AD. I, I, I guess maybe you'd say Embiid is, is probably higher than him as well in this conversation um and so i think when you look at both the team success and his individual numbers i mean he's shooting 65 percent from two and he's on pace to make more than 10 two-point field goals a game which hasn't been done uh, since Shaq's years in the early 2000s the only other thing that's really dragging Giannis's numbers down right now he's six out of 51 on three-pointers and i was like that's got to be unprecedented so I-, I searched it only two other players 
players over even a full season have shot 12 percent or worse on 50 three-point attempts or more that was dennis johnson in 1987 and demar derozan in 2011 that's it so this i mean he is clearly i mean i was at the game that they played against denver two monday nights ago and he was missing these shots but i think he was like oh for six in that game and he clearly has a mandate to shoot them and i actually think you know they're winning games i actually think that's a good thing i mean he needs to get there eventually he hit some okay uh, in his warm-ups and you know clearly there's sort of a confidence issue going on in games but i think he just needs to keep bombing and get over it now if they get it in the playoffs uh, maybe that changes i mean if you're talking about over the course of the regular season 20 out of 200 from three i mean that's like almost two full games worth of possessions that you're just wasting on a shot you have no chance of making but i I think he's he needs to just get the confidence to shoot these and his teammates you know the team seems to really be empowering him to shoot it and you know maybe it will reach a point where he just stops doing it but i think he has to get that part of his game uh and he said he had more confidence in his game last year i mean he shot 30 percent last year so I, I mean i think he can at least get up to semi-passable here but i i just thought that it's, it's fascinating uh those statistics are nearly unprecedented yeah and the other point you, you mentioned this briefly but i think it's worth getting into a little bit more is that Giannis has a lot more defensive value than he has in prior years i think he really has helped the team there and i, I, playing, I think you're actually Brooke, you're Lopez actually undercounting has, has, how good he's been in previous years by saying that i mean they defended well with him on the floor last year too well yeah they defended well with him on the floor but i i think he's been a more important part of that but so what i'm what i'm saying here is that the margin between him and ad defensively there is one i mean i think davis has been a meaningfully better defender than Giannis, but that, that margin is tighter and so then the offensive value comes in and then also the fact that Giannis has played in more games i, th- I think that's you know it would be a tougher argument for me it'd be a closer argument if those guys had played similar minutes and we're talking most valuable players so the amount of time you were on the floor is value and that that's really why a big part of why it's as clear a case as it is for me at the moment how do you feel so i had kemba and Embiid in either order as my three and four do you agree or disagree with that? uh kemba i just don't have as high again just based on the fact that he's really at this again this new level of performance here a lot of that is based too on what, what i perceive to be uh, some unsustainable shooting uh, from outside and again you know if he keeps this up all year i promise you hornets fans he'll be right there in the conversation for me but i you know, i don't really have him as close um no actually i think this will surprise you my number two guy is kevin durant right now uh and interesting uh, you know i think he's brought more defensively lately you know not as much uh, to begin with but i mean he's just this team is so limited when steph curry is out and for him to be putting up the numbers that he has been it has been really impressive a lot you know a lot of that's been uh this recent surge and part of this too is you know who i think is a better player that's a little bit of a tiebreaker at this point uh and ad would probably be above him again if he hadn't missed a a couple of games here uh and you know been kind of limited in some others you know it's just hard to with the pels being 500 right now uh and actually you know james harden i still think is being underappreciated here i mean he's having pretty much the season he did last year you know he looks a little faster fatter he's not hitting uh, his layups at as well but when you look at the overall statistical profile you know he's pretty much right there again and so much of the rocket struggles have just been michael carter williams and carmelo anthony and just having absolutely zero depth and 
Chris Paul being out of the lineup. I mean, he's carrying a team that has like five available actual NBA players right now uh, and putting up some big numbers, but he hasn't lost his efficiency in that. So he would probably be my number three. So I, I think I would have it as... Oh, yeah. can I can I make a quick sure. a quick Durant point? So Durant, when Curry is off the floor, which is now a meaningful sample oh, yeah. since Curry's missed so much time, he has a 36-6 usage, which is in that Harden-Westbrook range. And he has, you know, 60% true shooting and the Warriors offensive rating is 112.4. So that's not bad. It's not, you know, insane like it is when those guys uh, yeah, play together. I mean, that's, that's better and than so, not bad. I mean, that's, that's, like, yeah. that's still very good. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, it's very good. And so yeah, that that's a pretty good argument for Durant. I think his defense has been very hit or miss. He's sure. such a bellwether for this team. But I mean, it's not like Harden's bringing defensive value too. So yeah, I would have definitely have Durant over Harden. I just have both those guys below Embiid. But yeah, maybe I should move should consider moving Durant into that mix with the other two guys. So what was your uh, top five? here i didn't do a rigid top five but so the two i had in particular order Giannis and ad and then i'll say let's do kemba durant and bead those guys are all they're all really close together i don't really have a specific ordering and then Harden, lebron are my also considered both those guys have good cases to be in the top five i just don't like their arguments as much mostly because those guys are also offense only and yeah i mean durant or sorry Harden is number one in offensive rpm for what that's worth yeah and uh, so for me i had Giannis first and I think that was actually when it came down to it fairly obvious at this point in time you know part of that is the team success and stuff like that you know I'm not saying it's gonna be obvious at the end of the year KD second Harden third LeBron fourth and probably AD fifth at this point in time but this is below Giannis I think it's very hard to find much separation because so many of these guys are playing really well on teams that aren't doing incredibly well you know so it becomes kind of difficult there you really have to parse into the numbers a lot all right we'll get to first team all NBA momentarily here but i want to tell you about a new way to invest with roofstock.com which lets you buy sell and own investment properties the way that pro investors do to start earning passive income right away everyone knows that real estate is a great way to build personal wealth you can diversify your investment portfolio but it's obviously complicated especially if you don't live in the area if you live in an area where you have some extra income and you want to buy property elsewhere it's certainly something that you can do but you know are you going to drive to another state to try to find a property you know that becomes very difficult instead with Rustock, you can invest in single family homes across the country with as little as twenty thousand dollars down you can view inspection reports take a 3d tour those 3d tours are, are pretty awesome actually they've got like that dollhouse look that's a really a fantastic way to get a feel for a property see the neighborhood ratings and when you find a property that you like it you can add it to your cart and they even offer a 30-day money-back guarantee also if you buy a rental property and it stays vacant 45 days after closing roofstock will actually pay your projected rental income for up to a year they've got a special deal for our listeners this month only you can get a 500 credit towards your roofstock marketplace fee at roofstock.com slash cap space that's roofstock roof and then stock like the stock market r-o-o-f-s-t-o-c-k.com slash cap space easier on slash cap space we talk about all the time in the program you get a 500 credit but it's this month only that's roofstock.com slash cap space let me know if that slash cap space url that you came from us okay so i've given a little bit of a window into my first team all nba uh why don't we go through it here i always forget how it is that we do this why don't we just start we'll go through the entire guard line 
line here uh first second and third team all nba and then other guys that we considered so we can start there i think okay yeah i think that's a good way to do it so for me stephen curry makes first team because he's been to me the best guard in the league when he's been healthy he's played enough for me to be over the line so curry's one i already had kemba he was the only guard that was mentioned in the highest part of my mvp conversation so he's the other guy on the first team second team or is the other two guys i think have pretty good arguments harden and lillard you know lillard kemba is actually a closer argument i think than some people think those guys are all really really close i have no beef anywhere in there and then for the third team lowry to me was the next best guy like that one was pretty clear and then i considered Kyrie. i considered victor oladipo and then there are a few other guys that are kind of on the fringes of it depending on how you're counting positions and i ended up going with oladipo i just think he's been better than Kyrie overall this year and he's been you know more important to indiana's success than Kyrie. so he got the last spot but i mean it's it's splitting hairs between those guys at this point yeah, for me, uh, on the first team, Steph just hasn't played enough. I mean, half the season, it just there, there has to be a penalty for that at some point, even if he has, of course, uh, been incandescent while he's played. So I had to bump him down to second team. I had James Harden on my first team, uh, along with the aforementioned Kemba Walker. Curry and Lillard uh, on the second team, I thought, then you get to the point where Curry is just so much better on a per-play basis than the guys on third team that I had to have him uh, on second team. And you know, he's, he's coming back. He's not out for the year. So uh, kind of looking forward a little bit here you can start to project that he's at least going to be at that level and then here are the other guys that i considered getting into third team Kyrie irving and kyle lowry uh, those are the two guys that i picked i mean irving again getting some bad pub due to his really rough start to the year the, the fact that the celtics have been such a train wreck offensively but overall his advanced numbers are actually pretty good uh 23 pr 29 percent usage a little lower in true shooting than normal 57 percent. but part of that's dragged down by that tough start to the year so and i think he's just a, a better player than some of these guys below him the other guys i considered russell westbrook he's only played 12 games and he's got 51 percent true shooting really hard to put him in there you know it's really been okc's defense that's been carrying them so far chris paul hasn't been quite the same when he has played and you know he's missed a ton of time with suspension and injuries now so he wasn't really quite in the conversation for me demar Derozan has been getting some pub but he's a bit below average true shooting uh and he has been a big part of why the Spurs finally uh, have fallen apart defensively here. You know, just his inability to adequately guard wing threats uh, on the other team and be a good help defender, you know, I think has really hurt the Spurs a, a lot. So he was, he was uh, kind of below the conversation for me as well. Uh, Victor Oladipo, uh, not as efficient, only 53% true shooting this year. Pacers have stayed afloat without him, which they had not in, in past years. And he's missed a, a fair amount of time as, as well here. So uh, again, a pretty clearly below Irving and Lowry for me and then uh, Mike Conley was someone else that I thought about but you know the Grizz offense is not amazing I looked at their on off stuff he's there it's not one of these things where it's like oh they're really good when he's on and then when he goes off the floor they, they can't score at all uh they're pretty low even when he's on there um and you know, he's below the league average in true shooting so again you know a very valuable player especially on that team uh excellent defensively but not someone who's quite up there with the top guys and just a word on Lowry I mean advanced numbers again are amazing for him he's leading the NBA in assists you know he hasn't become quite the score that he was or, or, or just you know his usage is actually below 20 percent now so I, I would understand the argument just he hey his role just isn't big enough to be part of this conversation but I do think he provides a really important spacing element for this team as well he's bombing some really deep threes been very efficient again this year and obviously uh the assist rate is leading the NBA in assists by a mile I think he has like 40 more assists than the number two guy right now so let's move to uh the four 
forwards here why don't you just say who you've got here uh among your first team forwards okay so in the forward line i have Giannis as my mvp so obviously he's he's there and then i went with kevin durant over lebron i just think he's been better overall especially when you count in that he's been better defensively and he's had to shoulder this heavy burden which is unusual but he's he's been better overall then lebron is the easy pick for the top second team spot and then it gets open at that point and i considered a bunch of different guys but for me the the two that separated were paul george and Kawhi. i ended up going with paul george over Kawhi because you know Kawhi hasn't been there all the way and then also okc's defense has been completely ridiculous and i think paul george is a, a part of that a, a meaningful part of that of course not that Kawhi is any slouch obviously but that was a, a kind of a tough call and then there were a bunch of guys that i considered for the last spot because basically if you put paul george and then Kawhi gets the first spot on the third team and so it's jimmy butler blake griffin paul Millsap, and i ended up going with chris middleton i mean middleton has been really really good this year and it is a different kind of a role just because they have Giannis and they the way their team works but he's also done well defensively i think that he's an underrated part of what makes of what makes milwaukee work on that end and none of these guys had a particularly amazing case so i just went with the guy that i think has been the best so far yeah we're pretty much in agreement there i, I had lebron uh as the first guy on the second team katie and Giannis uh, on the first team uh but i did have Kawhi above paul george i just think he's a way better player uh his what he's able to do offensively i mean george has been uh, not that efficient this year okc's offense has not been good Kawhi has been the guy with the ball in his hand most of the time with toronto and he hasn't been as efficient but he still is the main engine of their offense and i think you know you'd still be hard pressed to argue that george is a better defender than leonard yeah he's missed time but i mean leonard has just reached such higher levels of performance in his career than george he's just clearly a better player to me uh so i i had george uh in a clear spot uh, one of the uh ones on the third team and then i actually thought blake griffin to me was uh, an obvious choice uh, I, I know you didn't agree with that for the last forward spot he's just been awesome this year and he would have so many more assists if they actually could make a three and he's just running everything on this offense i mean they have nothing else they can't hit a shot they have nobody else who can really even run the offense and get good shots when he's out there he doesn't really have anyone to run pick and roll with who's much good at this point he's leading the nba in touches i think still i haven't looked at it in the last couple of weeks but he was for a while it's certainly certainly right up there uh and just the versatility that he's shown operating is really a maybe the first point power forward that we've seen it's been impressive the three ball hasn't been awesome you know since a really hot early start but you know it's enough to keep the defense honest and set up the rest of his game and he's got a a center next to him he just can't shoot at all in drummond who really gums up the spacing for them also so considering the fact that he's managed to be efficient and he's setting up every single thing for their team i don't hold their and he's been a, a part of a solid defense as well the, a better than expected defense so I, I thought he clear was ahead of Middleton who just he just doesn't have as big of a role to me I mean he's he's spacing the floor he's been very valuable he's been solid but not great defensively his shooting has regressed a little bit too I mean I want to see where he's going to be at the end of the year he and he's this is another one of these guys who just has reached a totally new level and I'm like all right I'm not going to quite believe in this yet I understand the argument for him especially with Milwaukee's success other guys I considered uh, Butler but the games that he missed the Minnesota drama I mean he basically was sabotaging his entire 
entire team for uh, more than half of the season at this point so I, I couldn't really get him into this conversation uh Draymond Green obviously has missed too much time he's another guy who's usually in this conversation and uh certainly Danilo Gallinari and Tobias Harris deserve uh, some discussion here another perennial contender for this LaMarcus Aldridge has been awful this year he's got 49 percent true shooting so he's not really in the conversation to me uh let's go to center now this is amazing that there were actually center I felt bad having to cut one of my centers because I would have actually put one of them on my second on my third team instead of the last forward spot which you gave to Blake Griffin I have no opposition to Blake Griffin I think one of the things there is that their defense is basically propped up by a horrible opponent three-point shooting it's kind of the opposite of yeah. their own but, offense but they're which also is not allowing and, very many threes eh, but I do give Blake Griffin credit for well, that I said he's part of a good I mean, I mean he's like, at least not hurting yeah them. I mean that, I said he's part of a good defense I didn't say he was driving them. yeah I anyway anyway we, yeah I, I it's a close call I understand why you feel I specifically but chose okay, the words so let's go back to I specifically the chose the words that I did to try to express the idea that like you know he wasn't hurting them defensively not that he's driving but okay <laughs> Fa- fascinating so, there I know but so Anthony Davis is the first center I mean I don't think there's much of an argument there and he is a center this year that's pretty unambiguous then the next three guys are all really tough I mean it's for me it's in some order it's Jokic Embiid and Marcus Gasol all of those guys have been fabulous this year they all have different arguments i had Embiid in my mvp conversation because i think he's provided more value on both ends of the floor and amazingly he actually brings a lot of value because he's played so much he's been on the floor a lot as it hasn't missed I think much he's time leading the nba so that's, in minutes right now in minutes yeah he's either there or close to it which is remarkable so i had him second i think that he's been the best of those three and then marcus all and Jokic is just it's just a tough call i mean Jokic is doing better defensively than i expected he deserves a lot of credit there but Marcus Gasol is, is better defensively. And Jokic is obviously more important offensively and, and has been better. But for me, I still, I guess what the tiebreaker, if we want to call it that for me, was that center is still a defensive position for me. And if those margins are close, I'm going to go with the guy who's better on the defensive end because that's more important for me. But I have Jokic, you could put him second team and I wouldn't fight it. Yeah, I had Jokic above Gasol, who is a, my third guy, uh, or, or I'm sorry, my first guy out was Gasol. I just think Jokic is a better player. I think, you know, his pass again he's the best passing center of all time uh the defense has gotten a lot better you know it's interesting that Gasol is the example that people always use to say that hey Jokic actually can get there defensively now part uh, part of the issue is that you know Gasol is 7-1 you know Jokic doesn't have like that type of size uh necessarily and uh Gasol has done a really good job frustrating opponent bigs one-on-one that's become an underrated part or maybe maybe a properly rated part of center defense because it hasn't been as important but there actually are more good post-up centers now than there were a, a couple of years ago so that actually need to get stopped uh but i just think overall Jokic is better i think it, gasol you know memphis's defense is a little fluky although gasol deserves some credit for that we can talk more about that in the defensive player of the year part but yeah i, I agree it was incredibly close uh but especially with denver's defensive improvement i think the gap between Jokic and gasol is so high on the offensive end that i, I had to go with Jokic. uh so gasol was in there i mean nikola vucevic i mean if you want to just look at the overall value that the guy has had this year and that's it like Vucevic probably should be you know even higher than Jokic and Gasol but I just I can't get there yet with him given where he's been before in his career uh you know he definitely is trying harder defensively I thought 
he did a pretty good job at the end of that game last night for example against portland although they lost that one uh and then it, you know his offense has been fantastic i mean there have been so many teams that just cannot deal with him and i think he offensively this year has been better than gasol and better than Jokic. i, I would say um but is that going to sustain with the three-point shooting 40 percent on the type of volume that he has i mean he's been shooting a very good percentage on those little flip hook shots that he has no chance of getting fouled on so he, he's very reliant on just you know making shots away from the rim right now and i'm just not convinced that's going to continue i'm not sure that the defense can continue so believe me guys uh, same thing i said about kemba even more so about booch like if he keeps this up all year and the magic keep this up all year and they're around 500 and he's a big reason for that like he'll be right in this conversation at the end of the year i just i couldn't quite buy it yet and then you know rudy gobert still deserves to be mentioned but you know the jazz just have not had their typical numbers with him on the floor defensively uh, uh, you know he, he really to be a, an all-nba center for gobert his offense actually probably is better than ever this year uh, the way he's putting pressure on the rim he's got a ton of dunks this year but it's uh still they've got to be you know best defense in the league type of level when he's on the floor they haven't reached that yet al horford has really fallen out of this conversation and uh, another guy who i think it kind of falls into the vucevic category serge Ibaka at center 24 percent usage 62 percent true shooting uh he's been worth easily that contract so far this year that was widely panned including by us that three-year 65 million dollar deal he got in the summer of 2017 so uh, you know he's another guy if he keeps this up all year we can have the conversation about him but at this point you know still it seems a little fluky early so let's go to defensive player of the year i mean there there are a lot of guys that are worth consideration and it's always hard with defense to apportion credit especially this early in the year when a lot of what is happening can be attributed to randomness you know like teams just missing shots and all those other other elements and i know rpm has marcus as, as the leader in the clubhouse and i actually have him as my number one but there are a lot of other guys like i i think that it's worth going through it i mean anthony davis has been great defensively that's a big part of why new orleans has fallen off so much when he's been off the floor also his minutes are generally tied with drew holiday who is also a phenomenal defender for his position Embiid, i think has an underappreciated candidacy this is the same idea of i've talked about before of a guy that the team is way worse when he's off the floor so then that's why their team defense isn't as good but i mean gasol why my, my biggest argument for him even though the opponent field goal percentage at the rim is actually not great for him compared to some of the yes. other centers teams are shooting way fewer shots at the rim uh it's a, a pretty significant drop in in both frequency and efficiency when gasol's in the game and those are things that i think think a big man can affect we've talked about that with rudy gobert in prior years i think that's true with him and gasol is benefiting i mean they have this really long starting lineup but a lot of it you know works because he's there and they're they, they can get things to the middle and those guys aren't getting good shots so there are lots of argue there are arguments for other guys i think that this is not as cut and dry as some people would say but i still have gasol as my number one yeah i struggle with it. i mean obviously the numbers are good and memphis's numbers are good and you know gasol's steal rate which we looked at a couple of weeks ago is just i mean unbelievable for a center and, and he's so good at walling off penetration very good individual matchup guy against opposing centers but i just i couldn't quite go with him because i I, he's just too slow like he's got too many weaknesses against the best teams to me uh you know i just i I, part of this has to come down to just who do i believe is the best defensive player in basketball i just don't believe that that's marcus all you know whether the numbers over you know a one and a half month sample say that or not I, i just don't believe that uh and 
so he's certainly up there for me i think i had him second here my pick right now was anthony davis uh, and you know the numbers with him on the floor are not amazing but they've got one other good defensive player on their team that's drew holiday give you some numbers uh, on davis the pelicans are a top 10 defense when he's out there and they are the worst would be by far the worst in the nba like two points worse than the worst in the nba when he sits and granny's had to sit maybe more than you would have liked but you know it's only four or five games so far and just watching him too i mean he really has no weaknesses as a defensive player now that he's playing center but he can get out on the perimeter more i mean he's very very difficult to score on when he switches on to guys he intimidates at the rim so i i think he's uh my number one guy but i'm not happy about it at all i mean it's not a surprise given how good the offense has been that it's been hard to find a defensive player of the year and again you know some of the guys and beat is probably in there for me too he'd probably be my number three uh behind gasol just and that's one where the number is really good on him the games that i have personally watched him he hasn't been as good like for example that detroit game where blake griffin put up 50 on them i thought that he really was not at the same level as as last year that was early in the year so you know and, and admittedly when i've been watching philly lately i've been focusing more on kind of the whole offense the integration of butler and and that kind of thing so uh but when i have seen him this year it hasn't been quite as impressive just uh, watching him uh and defense player of the year has become interesting because i think the two if you had to say hey who, what two defense players would you most want to have in your team in the playoffs i'd probably go with draymond green and Kawhi Leonard, uh just because of the versatility uh, maybe ad would probably be above Kawhi. uh but you know dre has missed time i think is actually the warriors defensive numbers when he's been on the floor have been pretty good so maybe he he can get back into this conversation once he returns healthy uh robert covington probably needs to be mentioned here just with his amazing defensive rpm a lot of that's juiced though by the fact that he's joined a wolves team that wasn't trying at all before he got there and now they are trying he certainly is very valuable he might be the best help defending wing in the league you know at least one who doesn't like block shots you know if you want to consider Giannis a wing i don't really at this point anymore uh but you know i i just i don't think he's good enough one-on-one to be in the conversation paul george certainly deserves discussion as well but I think with OKC, it's really more of a team thing. They just have a lot of really good defenders, and he's a big part of that. But you know, I'm not going to put him up there at the same level as, as some of the big guys. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, there's a weird parallel with with this OKC team and the last couple of years Boston teams, where there are great defense. The credit should go all around, but there isn't really an individual guy that has a great defensive player of the year case. And I think in some ways that's a credit to all of them that there isn't that single dominant force like Gobert was last year. Or yeah, and even though this is a weaker case, I agree with you. With Paul George, and I wanted to reward OKC. I mean, those guys have been awesome defensively this year. But when you start Grant, Adams, Paul George, and then they've done some different stuff at the guard spots. I mean, it, it's that's it's no blame to them that they don't have that defensive player of the year guy, but they don't. Yeah, and even you know with Nerlens Noel on the floor, they got a 98 defensive rating as well. I think he, he's brought something to them this year. Also, someone we should probably start keeping an eye on. Just the numbers are really good on is Miles Turner. I think I need to lock in on the Pacers a little more. I haven't seen much of them in the last two weeks. I've kind of uh, I do this sometimes where if like a team's has a bunch of players out i just don't watch them because i i just think that i would rather see them at full strength like it's it's just like, like you're gonna learn a bunch of stuff that then is like not you're not really gonna be able to apply as much because they're gonna play totally differently and their best guy gets back so i haven't seen as much pacers lately but they've been a, a really good defense and presumably turner is gonna deserve some credit for that so that's something maybe to lock in on the next 15 and 60 okay still got uh, more to get to here but i want to tell you about stamps.com danny and i are, are small business owners Danny, you have used stamps.com uh, quite a bit back when you were sending out copies uh, of your book. 
Yeah, I did. And it was so weird as somebody who's been an internet only writer for basically my whole career to have to actually physically send things. And I realized that I didn't have the personal infrastructure to do that because it's just not anything I'd ever had to do. And so I use stamps.com regularly to schedule, to create shipments, to schedule them because you can get pickup at your house, which is awesome. And so even though we have more flexible schedules than most people, I still got a lot of value for it. And if I worked a nine to five, like at an office, I would like stamps.com even more than I already Already did. Yeah, stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Post Office right to your desktop. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any packet, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. And then the mail carrier picks it up. It not only saves you time, but it saves you money. You can also print the right amount of postage every time. You never have to overpay by putting on too many stamps. Right now, you too can enjoy the stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four week trial plus postage and a digital scale. That's how you avoid overpaying for postage without long-term commitments go to stamps.com click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in that familiar code capspace easy remember we talk about it all the time in the program that's stamps.com enter code capspace to let them know that you came from us let's move to coach of the year right now i thought it was pretty clear in my mind uh mike budenholzer yep i mean and they've we we had this question i think that was on a mailbag about whether this is jason kidd being a bad coach or budenholzer being good and we talked about how it's both and i think he's really unlocked a lot especially for them offensively and i wanted to throw out another couple of people who i think are worth discussing even though i think boonholzer is the clear cut number one right now doc rivers has done a wonderful job with this clippers team he's a great job last year i want to mention that i think nick nurse through the adjustments that they did and they've had a lot of kind of injury stuff as well just guys missing pockets of time ved Vilit's inefficiency at the beginning of the year and then dave yeager i mean the different team this year some of that is De'Aaron fox playing way better but a part of it is that he's running he's running this aggressive system and is actually balancing the minutes in the rotation so these guys aren't passing out during games that's that's useful too and so i'm sure jaeger will get more of a mention because a lot of this is always how a team does relative to expectations and a really good job as well i think actually someone who i had in my top three had rivers number two it's mike malone they're playing great defense right now and yeah he's done a really good job too and you and i panned the extension that they gave him and i still think this idea oh you have to extend the coach is overblown now the the counter argument would be well would they be playing this well if they knew he was potentially a lame duck and and that he might be gone at the end of the year you know this idea that you can get your team to actually play better by giving the coach an extension and eh, it's, it's a little dicey to me you, know, you always could have given him an extension now after like they started playing really well this season but nonetheless I, I think he's done a great job i didn't think he'd been that good until now but certainly i mean this is a top 10 offense and defense i mean number two in defense nobody saw that coming and you know it's starting to look more sustainable they've been playing better defensive personnel too you know, he's been part of that but i mean to get Jokic to reach a new effort level uh Jamal Murray has really improved on his watch as well so I, I think uh he deserves a, a ton of credit there so my top three were Bud Doc Rivers and Mike Malone Billy Donovan deserves credit I think in OKC for keeping them afloat with you know Russell Westbrook only having played 12 games and you know they still have the record that they have very good numbers yeah. defensively and trying all these dial in a misfit toys at the two guard is is really yeah. impressive too because usually a single point of failure is a big problem and they've gone through like six different guys and they've been able to stay you know stay afloat through that amazing defense and he's changed up the scheme a little bit uh, royce young was talking about this uh, on a pod that they're trying to give up fewer three-pointers this year i mean you remember last year again in the playoffs against the jazz i thought they're so aggressive on pick and roll against some relatively non-threatening ball handlers that they were giving up a lot of threes uh, on the backside and with 
the length that, that they have at the rim on this team just kind of trusting that hey you know what we can contest at the rim a little bit better we're going to try to take away the three more instead and just trust our length to deal with teams at the rim i think that strategy really has been working you mentioned nick nurse and uh also don't look now danny but one of your old favorites is climbing into the conversation for the dallas mavericks rick carlisle 107 he's done a really good 107 job. defensive rating i mean just what they can get out of this bench every year i mean you know when you look at the talent of those guys you're like how the hell are they doing this i mean these guys have incredible numbers uh so yeah i mean if they're over 500 at the end of the year i mean carlisle's got to be right smack in this conversation for sure all right let's get to uh, for some reason rookie of the year always seems like the most controversial to me because everyone wants to believe it in their rookies and their projectability i mean i think a lot of bad teams when they get a, a prize rookie it's like we've had nothing to cheer about and now we've got this and so you're you will respect our rookie uh that kind of seems to be the mentality but uh to me i mean luka Doncic just it's not even close not even worth discussing anyone else even though people have tried to discuss other people they have i mean deandre ayton has wonderful counting stats i mean he's number one in per he has he's scoring the most points per game but do, do we count the number of is, baskets that the other team scores is that a counting stat yeah it is and ayton i mean he has the second lowest block rate of any starting center in the league it's you know it's, and that's ennis canner so it's not exactly and um i mean the sun's defense has, has been awful and then the biggest difference for me between these two guys the differentiator i mean aiden you know he has a, a decent case in many other circumstances is that aiden is a dependent offensive talent and luka Doncic is not and that is creates a much higher degree of difficulty so aiden has been assist on 75 percent of his shots Doncic 28 percent of his twos 55 percent of his threes and you could say oh well you know more efficient and all the kind of stuff but somebody has to take on unassisted shots you can't just have 75 percent of your shots as a team be assisted that's not the way this works and so he has a much harder shot profile he has to set up other guys something deandre Ayton does not have to do and overall he has done a better job at what he needs to do than Ayton has and Ayton's job is less onerous than Doncic's. so i think that works there and then the other guy if if Ayton's getting thrown into this mix jaron jackson jr's argument even if you're going he, with the he's stats, a clear number two to me like it's not even close yeah i i mean i think jaron's been to me he's been the second best rookie and i mean if we're trying and that's really what this is i mean jaron he's miles better defensively and offensively shockingly he's not that far off and so yeah i would have i would have luca one and jaron and date and and aiden have solid cases in other years but they're going up against luca who is having this ridiculous year already and could even be growing from here we'll have to see I mean, luca you mentioned how many self-created shots he has i mean some of these step back threes that he's shooting you know, i mean 45 percent of his threes are unassisted and you know his shot making is fantastic he's not averaging like quite as many assists as, as you might think but certainly a, as a pick and roll operator he finds the open man when it's there he's got a post game out i mean he's the best offensive player on a team that's over 500 you know when you know donovan mitchell had that last year uh but that almost never happens for a rookie and he's right there you know he has a positive net rating on the year i mean there are not really any other rookies in this conversation who have a positive net rating uh and he's just he's and people are like oh well like you ever talk about Doncic defense like well it's not as important as Aiton's defense that's his primary job is defense and you know he's just he's not any good at it right now he was uh, my number three and really quite clearly my number three though uh you know Wendell Carter he's just been too inefficient uh and you know he's got a negative nine net rating that's way worse than Aiton is actually the Bulls have probably actually been operating with less talent than the Suns for a lot of the year uh Malvin Bagley negative 8.6 net rating he's put up uh, again some nice counting stats but you know he's coming off the bench he's not playing the same same minutes and Trey Young you know I think if his 
his three ball were going down he'd be more in this conversation i do skew with rookie of the year towards who i think is the better prospect a lot of times uh but trey also has the worst defensive rpm in the league some of that is the box score prior but they're also eight points 400 possessions worse with him on the floor but also worth noting that you know some of these lineups that they're starting with are, are just so miserable defensively I mean, he's starting games with like kevin herter vince carter or, or mike spellman at the four Dwayne deadman has come off the bench a lot of the year when he's been available can Bazemore is coming off the bench now so i mean trey is playing defensively just some atrocious units to start the game um as they're going with this youth movement so it's not all his fault but he's definitely disappointed even below where we thought he would be because he's not even getting any steals this year so uh, those the other guys i think you know Aiton kind of wins it by default I, I think to be uh third in rookie of the year but uh, Doncic is obvious to me do we have enough time to do six men of the year quickly? yeah yeah we, we can uh, get that done most improved is just it's so hard to do that we just wait until the end of the year for that and then we're gonna do yeah we wait yeah and we're gonna do all of our other categories like the ones that we made up we'll do those next week um but but yeah you're you're gonna yeah. say about most improved partially because we need to wait for the dunk montages to come in so we can we'll do best dunk at the, at that juncture yeah but yeah six man of the year there are a lot of really strong candidates right now and i mean also go through some of my others considered Derek rose spencer dinwiddie boban when he plays has been ridiculous he just hasn't played enough and then amazingly valanchunas is eligible for six oh, man yeah? of the year because they've been starting serge Ibaka at center he's had a nice year but for me the top three it's funny because there are a lot of parallels between these three guys but it's Sabonis Montrezl Harrell and Julius Randle you know all guys that started their careers as power forwards now are centers could argue that all of them could be starting either on their current team or a different team and it's also splitting hairs I mean they're different the different kind of stats I ended up going number one Harrell number two Randle number three Sabonis but I am I have no opposition to any order because Sabonis has been awesome like to say Sabonis has been better than Harrell I'm gonna go sure you can you can believe that there are reasons to believe that so uh, my ballot was Harrell number one uh he's played the second most minutes of this group uh he's probably the guy who's most often in the closing lineup of this group and the clippers have been pretty good in close games he's been a, a pretty big part of that uh and i mean he really is the clearly the best center on the clippers so i i had him number one rose to me was number two he's played the most minutes out of this group and yeah some of that's based on some unsustainable three-point shooting but the on-off numbers for him are really good and i went with julius randall number three he's just so difficult to stop Sabonis is a little bit more of a dependent player you know Randall's creating a lot more of of his own offense and you know, I don't think Sabonis is particularly great defensively neither is Randall but you know Randall at least it can switch a little bit more uh you know Sabonis actually that's probably not fair I, I think Randall has been pretty bad defensively and, and the Pels aren't much good either that, that's that was probably a dumb thing to say but I just think Randall's a little bit better than Sabonis at this point in time but you know that's split in hairs you know Lou Williams not hitting his shots quite as well so he's a little bit below this this kind conversation Valanchunas as well always has a really good box score stats but it has a, a few more weaknesses here and I mean there's been it's been a great year for guys coming off the bench so far this season anything else you wanted to add to that no I think we're pretty good there all right well that will wrap up here for us uh, the first part of our awards we got lots more to talk about next week and we'll be back uh, 15 and 60 style on Sunday talk to y'all then at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.